The following program is underwritten in part by Organic Valley Family of Farms, celebrating 20 years organic and farmer-owned since 1988. Meet your local farmers at organicvalley.coop. Welcome to the Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. There is an environmental movement and there is a social justice movement. If they could truly become one movement, the transformation would be unimaginable. When a black child in Oakland winces at the thought of an ancient tree being cut down in Northern California, and when an ex-longer in Northern California winces at the thought of a black teenager in Oakland being cut down on those streets, then we'll know that day has arrived. It's all alive. It's all connected. It's all intelligent. It's all relatives. We stand at the threshold of a historic opportunity in the human experiment to reimagine how to live on Earth and with each other in a way that honors the web of life. It's a revolution from the heart of nature and the human heart. As the basic life support systems of planet Earth plunge into dangerous decline, in this series, Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature, we celebrate social and scientific innovators with breakthrough solutions guided by how nature does it. The Bioneers, combining social innovation, leading-edge science, and indigenous and traditional knowledge, creating a future environment of hope. One of the most profound instructions for living on the planet Earth should be familiar to any thoughtful houseguest. Leave things better off than you find them. As biomimic Janine Benyus likes to say, the best way to take care of future generations is to take care of the place that will take care of them. But could it be that the best way to preserve the place for our children and the ecosystems they will depend on is to respect the dignity of people today? Author Paul Hawken has been tracking the rapid proliferation of not-for-profit, non-governmental helping organizations around the world. He's found that at their core, they share some simple, ancient, and powerfully uniting principles. Join us for the next half hour as we explore the golden rule, restoring the earth by restoring human dignity, with Paul Hawken. My name is Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to the Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. In my talk here two years ago, I suggested that the social justice, environmental movements, and indigenous movements were intertwining and morphing and became or becoming the largest movement in the history of the world. That they were, in essence, humanity's immune response to political corruption, economic disease, and ecological degradation. Paul Hawken is the brilliant author of such landmark books as Blessed Unrest and The Ecology of Commerce. As a social entrepreneur, he's launched several environmentally focused companies. He spoke at a recent Bioneers conference. I've spent, since that speech two years ago, two years researching and writing, trying to trace back where did we come from, not just as people, but where did this movement come from. It is growing very fast now. It is very large now, but it actually has very, very deep and ancient roots. What we know, I think, 
is that over the years, the ingenuity, the genius, the imagination of the organizations, of social entrepreneurs, of engineers, of designers, of individuals, has created a powerful arsenal of tools to address what ails us in the world. And the financial and technical means are in place to restore the needs of the biosphere and society. There's no question about that. Poverty, hunger, and preventable childhood diseases can be eliminated within a generation. Energy use can be reduced by 90% in developed countries, and the remaining 10% can be substituted with renewable energy. The educational gaps in opportunity that exist, particularly in this country, can be closed within 10 years. Dignified living wage jobs can be provided for every single man and woman in the world who wants ones. The toxins and poisons that permeate our daily lives can be eliminated through green chemistry. Biological agriculture can increase yields reduce and eliminate pesticides and poisons and other inputs and save family farms. Green, safe, livable cities are at the fingertips of people, designers, architects, and planners. Inexpensive water technologies can decrease usage and improve the purity of water so that every single person on Earth has clean drinking water. Now, what's going on, though? We can do all that. If this movement is so big... Right? Something missing. It has been said by many that we cannot save this planet unless there's a widespread spiritual or religious awakening. Mm-hmm. When I've heard that in the past, I have sort of buckled and sort of stiffened. (laughs) Not because I didn't think it would be a good idea, but because I thought, well, yeah, but we have work to do. (laughs) Things are going so fast. We can't depend on such a thing arising. But in my research for the book, I have come to think about this in a different way. And my question to you is, would we recognize a spiritual awakening in this world if we saw one? Or let me put another question to you. What if an awakening was already deeply in place and we don't see it? In other words, it's here. Might an awakening actually be underway Some movement without a name, humanity's immune response to the unprecedented challenges we face, is it here? Natural Capital, a nonprofit institute founded by Paul Hawken, counts how many organizations dedicate themselves to restoring the earth and healing human culture. Audubon Society Bird Lovers, a Cree Indian project opposing toxic waste, you name it, the count has reached one million groups worldwide, involving 10 million people. But it's not the first time such an immune system-like movement has kicked in. More than 2,000 years ago, in an era not unlike our own, the emergence of agricultural states introduced an unprecedented scale of displacement, slavery, war, and environmental disruption. Hawken points out that these violent upheavals resulted in a great moral ferment. 
He says the resulting precepts remain with us to this day and unconsciously drive this movement, this movement without a name. Again, Paul Hawken. In her work, which I recommend, The Great Transformation by Karen Armstrong, she details the origins of our religious traditions during what's called the Axial Age, period between 200 and 900 BCE. This is a time when much of the world turned away from violence and cruelty and barbarity. There was such an upwelling of philosophy and insight, intellect from that period is carried forth in the work of Socrates and Sophocles, in Lao Tzu, Confucius, Mencius, the Buddha, Rabbi Hillel, and others. But rather than religious institutions, these teachers were bringing forth social movements that addressed human suffering. Later, they were called Confucianism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Taoism, monotheistic Judaism, democracy, right? And philosophical rationalism. But in their origin, these were not theocratic systems. They did not require belief. They required practice, action. They were not trying to create doctrinaire institutions, but a compassionate society. They asked their students to question and challenge everything, to never take anything on faith. They urged people to change how they acted in the world, and all of them relied on one common principle, the golden rule. Do not ever, ever do anything to anything or anyone that you would not have done to yourself. Right? Rabbi Hillel said, don't do anything to your neighbor you wouldn't do to yourself. Right? That is the Torah. Read it. All the rest is commentary. (laughs) That's it. If you get that, right? These were not theocratic systems. They didn't require belief. They required a change in behavior. Right? Armstrong, again, the axial, this is a quote, the axial sages were not interested in providing their disciples with a little edifying uplift after which they could return with renewed vigor to their self-centered lives. Their objective was to create an entirely different kind of human being. Sages insisted that people abandon their egotism and greed, their violence and unkindness. And not only was it wrong to kill another human being, you must not even speak a hostile word about or towards that person, not even make an irritable gesture. Further, You cannot confine your benevolence to your own people. Your concern must somehow extend to the entire world. If people behaved with kindness and generosity to others, they could save the world. Well, this is what they were teaching. But no one at that time said, hey, we're in the midst of a spiritual awakening. (laughs) Right? It was a very difficult time, far from perfect. It was riddled with betrayals and jealousies and misunderstandings. The axial sages lived in a time of war. Their goal was to understand the source of violence, not to combat it. Their practices guided the mind with very simple precepts that slowly and gradually changed the heart. Enlightenment was not the goal. Kindness, action, and compassion were. These teachings, these teachings, are the source 
of charity in the world. They are the source of NGOs, of philanthropy, of institutes, of collectives, of alliances, of faith-based organizations. These teachings are the source of what it is that we are creating to this day. You know? And what I'm suggesting is that unknowingly, perhaps, this movement is tipping its hat and returning the favor to the actual age and is collectively forming the basis of a spiritual awakening. But, but this is a very different awakening. It is accompanied by an exquisite understanding of biology, ecology, physiology, quantum physics, cosmology, and very, and most importantly, unlike the massive failing of the actual age, the feminine is now seen as sacred and holy. And it recognizes that the wisdom of indigenous people from all over the world, from Africa to Nunavut, people who didn't fall asleep (laughs) and require a great awakening, who didn't try to globalize the earth or conquer others, are our sisters and brothers in this movement. I have friends who, if they hear this speech, and they may be here today, will vigorously protest these suggestions, pointing out that NGOs are small-minded, they're turf wars, there's competition, they're selfish, some of the leaders, or whatever, okay. But this is not a question of whether the human condition permeates this movement. It most certainly does. Clay feet march in every single protest that I've been in because I've been in the protests, okay? But it is a question, surely, of whether the underlying values of this movement are permeating global society, and I say they are, right? And this question is about intent. What is the intention of this movement? If you look at the values, the missions, the goals, the core principles that inform it, and then you parse that language, and underneath it, albeit unstated, is always the golden rule. And second is Life is sacred. Sacredness of all life, whether it's a child or a creature or a culture. Right? This is this movement. This is this awakening. Could Western civilization's oldest ethical instructions have relevance to our newest environmental problems? Could restoring respect for human beings be the key to restoring the health of the planet? When we return... Paul Hawken explores the biology of compassion. This is the golden rule, restoring the earth by restoring human dignity. I'm Neil Harvey. You're listening to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature.
If human beings were truly respected, could the earth be restored? Today in the San Francisco Bay Area, salmon have all but vanished, victims of dams, depleted rivers, chemical pollution, and other insults. But what if over the past two centuries, human dignity, culture, health, and livelihoods had been respected? What if settlers hadn't decimated Native Americans whose cultures co-evolved consciously and successfully with salmon for thousands of years? What if we didn't let dam builders flood villages and native sacred sites? What if export agribusinesses couldn't siphon off huge quantities of river water and expose migrant workers to pesticides, which then leach into what water remains and contaminate the bay? If the golden rule prevailed, would the salmon prevail? It's the kind of question posed by Paul Hawkins' unnamed movement of millions. Truly addressing that question could have profound effects. Again, Paul Hawkins. It is the first time a movement understands that honoring the web of life is integral to compassion and is integral to it as addressing poverty and violence and oppression. There are still two movements, though. There is an environmental movement and there is a social justice movement. They are definitely coming closer. Every Bioneers is about furthering that. But they are not one yet. If they could truly become one movement, the transformation possible would be unimaginable. When a black child in Oakland winces at the thought of an ancient tree being cut down in Northern California, and when an ex-longer in Northern California winces at the thought of a teenager, a black teenager in Oakland being cut down on those streets, then we'll know that day has arrived. The thing about the environmental movement is it seems to have the upper leg because the house is burning down. It is, literally. Right? So it's very easy for the environmental movement to turn to social justice and say, yeah, I know everything, that's really important, but gosh, the house is burning down. Come, you should come on our bus and join us. Right? And I think that it's upside down and backwards. Global warming is injustice. It's a type of colonialism. I think that if the talent, the imagination, the ideas, the brilliance that is in this room, that is represented elsewhere in so many ways, is going to become effective in time, we have to slow down and stop and change the bus. I think the environmental movement has to get on the social justice bus. Paul Hawkins says that global warming, and by extension fossil fuels burning, is injustice. So would our fossil fuel culture be possible if we didn't callously disregard human health and culture? What if we forbade coal mining simply because it fouls Appalachian drinking water and forbade crude oil extraction from Amazonian rainforests and Arctic slopes because it destroys indigenous cultures, refineries because their pollution doesn't belong in our bodies, and the use of fossil fuels because global warming will deprive Inuit people of their livelihoods? What if Rachel Carson was right, that pesticides are a human rights issue? What if the environment is actually our body, our language, 
our livelihood, our brother and sister? Would we act more urgently? Paul Hawken takes us to the civil rights movement for an answer. When Martin Luther King was drafted into being the leader of the Montgomery boycott 51 years ago, It was five days after Rosa Parks got on the bus. And what is often not told is that when the door opened that night on December 1st, the bus driver was James Blake. Now, James Blake had physically manhandled Rosa Parks and wrestled and threw her down to the ground 12 years before. And she had never seen that bus driver again. And when that door opened up, her heart dropped. She was absolutely panic-stricken. And she got on the bus. Right? Amazing act of courage on her part. Right? And five days later, when she was arraigned, they elected Martin Luther King to be head of the Montgomery Improvement Association. And he had 15, 20 minutes to give a speech. And the first thing he said, it's one of his finest speeches to this day, but was a simple phrase. And he said, there comes a time. And if he were alive today, he would say it again. There comes a time. There comes a time for all that is harmful to leave. There are one million organizations in this world, one million escorts, and they are here to transform the nightmares of empire and the disgrace of war upon the people and places on this earth. We are the transgressors and we are the forgivers. We means all of us, everyone. There can be no green movement unless there's a black, brown, and copper-colored movement. I said this is immune system. Well, immune systems fail, too. This movement most certainly can fail. And what stands before us, I think, is the gift of self-perception, the gift of seeing who we really are. Who am I? I mean, we will either come together as one globalized people or we will disappear as a civilization Will we disappear as a civilization indeed? New science offers some hints. According to Hawken, pioneering research has suggested that the brain is actually an evolutionary outgrowth of the immune system. And for us humans, that quadrillion cell system thrives on cooperation and compassion. Studies show that volunteering and having strong social networks help people live longer and healthier lives. Keep thy brother and sister Love thy neighbor, do justly unto others. These old tenets appear rooted in biology. For Paul Hawken, they make us who we are. Our minds were made to defend us, born of an immune system that brought us to this stage in development and evolution. We are so surfeited with the metaphors of war, such that when we hear the word defense, we think attack. But the defense of the world can only be accomplished by cooperation and compassion. Science now knows that every child, while still in diapers, exhibits altruistic behavior. It's hardwired. It's in our genes. 
concern for the well-being of others is something we are born with. When we become human by helping and working with others and buried in those <laughs> one quadrillion cells, in those lymphocytes, in those genes, literally, is faith and love. There is such a fierceness here. There is no explanation for the raw courage and the heart seen over and again in the people who march, speak, create, resist, and build. It is the fierceness of what it means to know that we are human and want to survive. To witness the breakdown worldwide in civility, into camps, into ideologies, into meaningless wars, to watch the accelerating breakdown of our environmental systems is harrowing and dispiriting. And what it takes to arrest our descent into chaos is one person after another remembering who they are, where they are, and joining together to save and restore life on earth. It is such an honor and privilege to speak to you, for which I offer my bow and my deepest respect. Thank you all very much. Paul Hawken. In the unnamed movement Paul Hawken has uncovered, millions are remembering who we are, remembering where we are, remembering to do unto others only what we would have others do unto us, and remembering that all life is sacred. Science is saying that we are hardwired for compassion. It appears that as I respect your rights, care for you, and work for justice for all, what was missing will be restored. Love will be restored, and so will be restored the earth. The Golden Rule, restoring the earth by restoring human dignity. Free downloads of this program are available on the radio pages at Bioneers.org. Resources related to this show and the entire Bioneers radio series can also be found at Bioneers.org or by calling 877-246-6337. That's 1-877-BIONEER. Visit Bioneers.org to become a member, make a donation, learn about the annual Bioneers conference, or join our thriving online community. Choose from articles, blogs, event calendars, books, podcasts, CDs, and DVDs at Bioneers.org or by calling one 877 The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Collective Heritage Institute. Executive producer, Kenny Ausubel. Written by Laird Townsend and Neil Harvey. Senior producer, Neil Harvey. Managing producer, Stephanie Welch. Production assistants, Marita Prandoni. Distribution is by WFMT Radio Network. Original recordings provided by Reference Media Group. Our theme music is taken from the album Journey Between by Baca Beyond and used by permission of Hannibal Records, a Ryko Disc label. Additional music was made available by Running Wild Music at www.transvision.com. For more music information, please visit Bioneers.org. The opinions expressed in the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature radio series are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. 
My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the pioneers in improving the environment by changing the world. This is program number 1108. This program is underwritten in part by Organic Valley Family of Farms, celebrating 20 years, organic and farmer-owned since 1988. Meet your local farmers at organicvalley.coop.